Welcome to Innovation Destination, the podcast channel for supply chain industry professionals. This episode is part of our Executive Perspective series, where we will hear from the C-suite of the electronics and manufacturing industry. Here's your host, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Connect, Tyler Fussner. Pete, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. If you wouldn't mind introducing yourself to our audience. Yes, um, my name is Pete Shop. I am Senior Vice President, Business Operations with Mauser Electronics. My primary responsibility is the warehousing, logistics, trade compliance, a lot of those things to make sure that we're able to get parts to our customers. And speaking of warehousing, I understand that Mauser is undergoing a huge expansion uh, with your warehousing. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes, this is our largest ever. Um, it's 413,000 square feet, but we will be able to go three stories high, so it's really the equivalent of a million square feet. Um, we're going to have a lot of automation. Eventually, we'll have 300 VLMs. We're looking at some um, automated pallet rack storage systems. Uh, we're going to move receiving over there, and we'll be able to move half of our inventory over there to basically divide everything up and We'll have a fully operational warehouse, including the shipping department, so we're building resiliency with this warehouse. That's very exciting, very exciting. So Pete, I wanted to ask you uh, a little bit about the changes that industry has faced over the past few years. And um, from Mauser's perspective, uh, have you been able to implement any changes that have helped untangle the supply chain backlog that's been uh, faced by many? You know, a lot of the supply chain backlog that we've been dealing with has really been solved with a lot of communication with our suppliers. Um, Basically, our supplier marketing team, they have spent the last two years um, working with our supplier partners who have supported us very well um, in giving us inventory so that we can keep the design pipeline open. Um, We also made some other changes to protect our inventory to make sure that we kept the inventory for the design um, engineers. Um, We purposely prevented some of the large people from just coming in and buying out all our inventory. Yeah, and and that communication is uh, so valuable to everyone involved, right? And have that that conversation be able to take place and, and get some transparency and insight into where they stand. Yeah, I mean, it's been, um, they spent a lot of time, uh, of course, they had to do it on Zoom calls, not so much in person, right. um, but, you know, now they're traveling all the time, but, you know, it's, in a way, though, that relationship started long before COVID, you know, that's what our product team does, they're having those relationships with the suppliers, you know, and working together so that, you know, it's good for both teams, you know, our Mauser team and the supplier, so that they can both be successful, um, grow the business, um, get the parts and design engineers so that um, new designs are happening, you know, new designs are being created that will, you know, eventually go into production. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of those relationships have come out of the turmoil even stronger than before. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so Pete, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about technology. Um, as Mauser and many others have been facing, um, you know, these years of turmoil and change, have you been able to implement anything like AI or ML and found anything that was particularly successful in helping um, address any supply chain challenges? We are using some. 
We are trying to figure out how to use more. Um, certainly we have a lot of AI that goes into our uh, purchasing program to, to figure out you know, which parts to buy, which ones to put on the shelf. Um, that's probably our biggest use of it. Uh, after coming out of this shift or cycle, so to speak, and, and speaking of the customers, uh, what are their pain points today? What are you hearing from their perspective today as uh, you know they're looking at Mauser? What are they asking you? So some of them are still in desperate need of certain parts, and they're convinced that we can get them for them. And you know, there's just certain parts that aren't out there. They're just not available. We don't know when they're going to be out there. So we have worked with them on either, do you want a different part? Um, can we help you figure out a different part that will work for your your build or your, your part, whatever you're building? Is there something else that we can have? Because obviously there's a lot of other parts. We have a lot of parts in stock. Maybe not the one you want, but you know we have over a million parts on our shelf today. And yes, we still have some that are on back order, like about 30,000 of them from some of the key semiconductor suppliers. But we have 250,000 other um, semiconductor parts on the shelf. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what you raised earlier, that communication is key, right? And it doesn't matter what part of the process they come in and ask these questions, but as long as they're able to have someone answer those questions, it's, it's important. That is correct. Yeah. Um, we're still taking those phone calls. And again, that's another way where um, our supplier management team working with our suppliers can understand, hey, what are the options available? You know, maybe you can't get me this part. What's your other part that you can provide for us? Well, and, and sticking with the, the customer perspective, um, you know, it seems that maybe the purchasers are more adept at using e-commerce and, and looking through, uh, you know, web-based uh, purchasing practices. Have you found this to be true? And, and has Mauser addressed maybe the, the more adept and more readily to uh, use e-commerce type of purchaser? Well, I mean, certainly if you look at um, the online catalog providers, whatever you want to call us, um, and certainly we have a competitor up north, and, you know, the two of us have, you know, embraced e-commerce more than the other distributors, and we've also grown more than the other distributors, and we've been doing that for a long time. Um, I think there's no doubt that our model is definitely the most successful model that's happening right now. Many of the uh, many of those other distributors and even some of the manufacturers are trying to take advantage of e-commerce, you know, but some of the things that we're doing is ahead of them and continues to drive more customers, more traffic to mauser.com where they're able to find the parts they want um, find solutions to what they're trying to build. Um, we provide, you know, the data sheets, so many tools that we provide for them, whether it's bomb tools, informational tools, application notes, um, that can really help them, you know, build their design. You know, and we continue to build on those um, capabilities. We continue to add more information to the website. Um, some of them, for example, some of it is just a green leaf sometimes so that people in Europe know this part's okay for them to sell. Um, those are the types of things that we've been adding to our 
website over many, many years. Just really what the customer needs and wants. Yeah, and understanding those customer needs, I think, is uh, so important in an e-commerce space for, for a buyer mm -hmm. uh, to be able to maybe go into an environment where as questions arise, they're able to answer them on their own. They want to you know, be able to go and navigate that process on their own as much as possible. And it sounds like you set up the tools and steps to make that available to them. We have, and certainly um, we hear a lot of comments from our customers, you know, and they, a lot of things they ask for, um, you know, the tools that we've added have basically been things they have asked for. Um, we, some of them we came up with on our own, but a lot of it is, you know, trying to really listen to the customer. What are they wanting? What are they doing? How are they searching? And then continue to add additional tools for their use to make their life easier. You know, make the life of the design engineer and the small buyer um, make their life easier. You know, how do you find parts? You know, how do you understand the parts so they'll fit your solution? Yeah, and you know, again, it sounds like it all circles back to that communication. It's a, a very key element to have in uh, the Mauser model. You learn a lot by listening. Yeah. Um, I guess now it's not so much listening as reading, you know, a blog or, you know, reading a comment that they make on the website, you know, because we get so many comments from our customers um, through the website. Of course, we still have customer service representatives, so we're talking to customers also. Um, we're visiting some of the biggest customers. We're doing that more and more. Um, so, you know, we're getting a lot of inputs from our customers, trying to understand what they want, what they need, whether it's data on the website, information on the website, um, but they're also telling us other things that they want and need, um, like new services that we're talking about. Yeah, I think it's a, a powerful stance to take, and it really can uh, gain a lot of insight when you when you open your ear and listen. Mm -hmm. So, Pete, can you tell me a little bit about what makes Mauser different as a global distributor and the ability to service customers around the world? So I think some of the differentiators that we have um, being global, but appearing local. We have offices, customer service offices around the world um, so that customers, if they have a question, can actually reach out to someone locally on their time zone in their local language and provide the customer service. They can answer questions. Um, they can solve problems for them. You know, maybe there's a mistake. The customer ordered the wrong thing. How do they get an RMA? They don't have to do that on the website. They can actually talk to a person and get the service they need. In addition to that, over the many years of us doing business, you know, we have multiple websites, multiple languages, um, many different currencies, um, even certain local credit cards that are very local to their individual country. Um, so we've worked many years to make these kind of additional features on our website so that we appear very local. Because of that, you could take all of that combined and it really is a unique experience um, for the customer. And they can work with us locally on a website in their language, in their currency, but they can also deal with a customer service person that will also speak their language and be able to handle their local needs. That uh, ease of access and accessibility for an end user has to be a fresh uh, breath of fresh air. 
Well, and, and I like to say to other people, I mean, a lot of people do like websites and the anonymity of it. But at the same time, a lot of times, people just want to talk to someone. And they'd really like to do it during normal hours in their local language. Yeah. Um, Certainly you, makes things easier. Yeah. And, you know, the design engineers that we're working with, most of them do understand and speak English, but it doesn't mean that's what they want to do. They would much rather deal in their local language, in their local currency, whether it's on the website or with a customer service person. So, Pete, I, uh, I know there's no way to tell the future, <laughs> right? But I'm going to ask you to do that for me. Can you tell me how are the distributors going to evolve in the near future? Well, I think there's going to be continue automation. Certainly, it's getting more and more difficult to hire people and retain people. So certainly some of that automation to so people can work smarter and better. You know, I think that's going to continue to happen. You know, there's going to be more technology in warehouses, more automation in warehouses so that you can process orders quicker, faster, more accurately, uh, more efficiently. You know, certainly that's going to happen. I think there's going to start being more robotics on the distribution floor um, in the building, doing more and more so that, again, you can make the people processing orders more efficient. Yeah. You know, that's one of the big things about our new warehouse. And even we've made a lot of changes to our existing warehouse over the last few years, you know, to increase the efficiency, increase the accuracy, um, make it easier for the worker to do their job. And it's got to be so exciting having a brand new facility coming in. It, you got to feel like a kid in a sandbox ready to integrate these new technologies. Absolutely. It is, um, you know, we got a team of several people and we're working with system integrators. And to start with, you know, the blank chalkboard and figure out, you know, what would really make things the most efficient? You know, what would you do if you were starting from ground zero? Of course, when we started from ground zero, you know, we didn't have the same kind of resources that we do now to be able to start from ground zero. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and we've had a lot of support from our executive team, um, including Glenn Smith, a, you know, our president and CEO, um, working closely with Mike Morton, the CEO of the TTI family of specialists, um, which ultimately leads to on uh, some of these things, getting the support from um, Berkshire Hathaway, which Obviously, we have a lot of resources available to us, and they're allowing us to operate so that we can grow and make these kind of long-term decisions because we're not um, worried about a quarterly decision. Uh, we're able to make them for the long-term, make the long-term investments. So, Pete, I would love to hear your perspective on the immediate future. What does the business look like in the next six months and maybe going beyond that, what did the next 18 months look like? Well, certainly think the rest of this year, I think the best word is choppy. Um, seeing in our business, um, we'll have a couple great days in bookings, and we think things are turning around, um, and then we'll have a couple eh, kind of meh days. Um, certainly, we've come down from, you know, the crazy bookings of last year, which no one knew, everybody knew they would not be sustainable. Um, so I think the next six months are going to be rough. You know, like I said, choppy. 
But when you look long term and the things that's happening in the electronics industry, the only option is for it to go up. When you look at the things happening on some of these infrastructure bills around EV, um, you look at the IoT, um, you know, literally um, my wife bought a toothbrush that has, you know, Bluetooth attached to it that measures how well she's brushing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. But that is going to continue to happen. Um, you know, and then you, you know, where does VR and the metaverse and all that take us? It's going to take us somewhere. Um, you know, and it's going to take a lot of computing power, um, a lot of machines that are going to make it happen. Um, so when you look at the overall electronics industry, um, it, it's going to keep going better. It's going to go better than the GDP um, consistently, you know, it's grown two times faster than the rest of the U.S. economy. So it's exciting to be part of the electronics industry and know we have that kind of growth potential that's long-term and sustainable. Yeah, I think it definitely is an exciting time, and it's even more exciting to look forward to that growth. Well, Pete, thank you for your insight today. I really appreciate you sitting down and taking the time. Thank you. All right. See us next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Innovation Destination. Follow us online at supplychainconnect.com or find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter to stay up to date on the latest supply chain industry news. Do you have any questions or is there a topic you would like us to cover in a future episode? Please contact us at editors at supplychainconnect.com. That's E-D-I-T-O-R-S at supplychainconnect.com.